Hey, it's Jed Hearn, host of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you're enjoying the writing advice on this show, you might like my new podcast, The Jed Hearn Show, where every week I share the best fantasy writing advice that I've learned from publishing three fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. There's over 12 episodes that you can listen to right away, including my top 10 fantasy books of all time, how to make fantasy names that don't suck, two rules that make writing effortless, and my complete summaries of Brandon Sanderson's and Neil Gaiman's writing classes, and much more. Check it out by searching for The Jed Hearn Show in your podcast app. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Wizards, Warriors and Words, a fantasy writing advice podcast. I'm Jed Hearn, author of The Thunder Heist, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, starting with Rob. Uh, hi, I'm Michael R. Fletcher, author of the Paternus Trilogy. I'm, uh, I'm just Dirk Ashton, author of Dragon Mage. And we have the actual author of Dragon Mage joining us for a second episode, Emil Spencer. Melinda, thanks I'm for coming on. Emil Spencer, author of the Paternus Trilogy. Hey, she's in it. <laughs> uh, all right, so... Last episode with Melinda, we were talking about marketing stuff. This episode is going to be more of a general discussion about sort of writing craft things, uh, launching books. Um, yeah, you know, do, does Melinda outline? Does she pants her books? What's the kind of strategy for that? And then we also have some other questions from our Patreons as well um, about you. So to start off, I'd just be really curious to know, Melinda, what is your sort of writing process look like? Are you an outliner? Are you a pantser? What's your sort of approach to planning stories? I'm probably 85% outliner, 15% panzer. Cool. So um, like right now, I'm just moving on from the outlining stage to the writing stage. Um, I had to outline it, then I started writing it. I didn't like the direction it was going. So then I went back to the outline and now I'm going back to the writing. So yeah, this is this is for book two, isn't it? The uh, yeah, it's for book two. Book two has not been very good. It's been a a pain in the butt to plot, but I think I'm finally there. <laughs> well, I mean, I remember part 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 of your part of your trouble with it is um, the uh, that you you were talking about is that you weren't sure you were going to write a second book or turn this into a trilogy because. You didn't know how well it would do. It does have a nice arc and it could easily be a standalone. I see tremendous potential for a series and a tr trilogy in, in that story. But 
when you don't expect that. I remember Jonathan French did not really expect to do more books in the uh, uh, for his uh, the Great Bastards in his yep. in his Bastard series. Um, but when he got approached by the uh, uh, publisher, they wanted a trilogy. So he he went through some of the same pains, going, "Okay, well then, where do I take it?" Um, and part of that has to be, Melinda, has to be that there's so much potential, so many good guys and bad guys that you could level up to, you know, in the next one. And you I have to make those choices, and that's hard. Yeah, I think the hardest part is um, we already defeated a pretty powerful bad guy in the last book. So mm -hmm. in the next book, I, I need to level up the bad guys. And it, it was kind of hard for me to do that. You know, we've already defeated basically, you know, a demigod, you know, what's next? Um, so I really had to kind of come up with that. And then he does have brothers. He, he, <laughs> he does. He has brothers and uh -huh. they're now ganging up on my poor main character. Uh -huh. Interesting. But I don't want to level up too much because I have to save something for book three now, too. So you've also got those critters in the stone stone circle that's true i have the critters in the stone circle and they're gonna those, be those are some pretty frightening critters oh you like the frightening critters <laughs> oh yeah they're, they scared the crap out of me oh that's awesome <laughs> yeah. the crap out of you um mm. yeah they're gonna be making an appearance um as i was writing dragon mage like i said i wasn't really playing on the sequel but what i did do was I kept like a file and believe it or not, this file was like a page and a half long by the end of the book of, oh, this is something I could do something with next. But again, by the end of the book, it was literally a page and a half long. It, yeah. it did have mention of the critters, <laughs> you know, it did have mention that there could be other bad guys, you know, but it wasn't a lot. It wasn't like, you know, pebbles strung on a path of a plot. Mm. Um, so it took me and, and honestly, there was about 50 billion different places that I could have gone. Yeah. Um, That's and that that can be the hardest thing is deciding which way to go. Well, you have a lot of ways that you could that would be good. Yeah, it really was. Um, and that was actually kind of like, I think a, a false start that I had is I, I started going down one path. Um, basically, I don't want to like spoil anything, um, but there's, I could have gone with plot B and then plot C. And that's the way I kind of started off going, but then I realized, no, I'm doing this out of order. I need to go C first and then go to B in the next, in book three. And so I reversed the order, which was okay. really confusing, but that's okay. You, you did that only, only just sort of after starting writing it. You didn't get too far. I got about six chapters in, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you, you did a lot better than me. I wrote an entire second book and then went, this is crap and just scrapped the entire thing. I can't do that. Was that the lessons <laughs> never learned? <clears throat> I, mean, I would not be able to do that. Well, well I, I actually, that. I have written half of a novel before um and done that actually it was pretty much the equivalent of whole novel but that's okay <laughs> it's been horrible <laughs> so what does um uh, with your i know this is taking us back a little bit but with your outlining process i'm just really curious as, as to how that looks are you like plotting that out to a specific say like three-act structure is it just dot points um <laughs> what kind of stuff are you like what's your sort of structure and length 
for that. So like, for instance, with my outlines, they generally tend to be about 10% of the book. They're basically like broken down into, you know, maybe like four acts or so. Um, and there's no dialogue or anything. It's just dot points about what's happening and how characters are changing. So what does your sort of process look like? Okay. Um, well, my first process is my book, I know it's going to be like 100 pages long. Okay. I'm sorry, 100 chapters long, not 100 pages. I was going to say Dragon Mage is yeah, it's going to be a little 10 times longer than that. Than that. <laughs> 100 chapters, 100 pages. There, yeah, 100 no, a page. No, no. Okay, so 100 chapters, and I'm, it's going to be have a three act structure. And I know exactly at what percent I'm going to go from act one to act two, and at what percent I want to go to act two to act three. Um, so I know exactly what percent I want my inciting incident to be. So I just kind of label that off, you know, inciting incident goes here, midpoints here, we got to break into act three here. Um, so that's what I do is I kind of like, and I, I'm writing the hero's journey and a story, it's the hero's journey. Um, so I'll just kind of put in the steps of the hero's journey kind of along the way of what I want to hit as I go. And then I just start filling in the, the gaps, you know, what is my inciting incident going to be? Okay, boom. What is the midpoint climax going to be? Boom. Um, you know, what, what is the, um, dark night of the soul going to look like? Boom. And then I just start filling in things in between. And then eventually I have, you know, just a basic framework that's usually probably, 30 pages long or so. And then I start actually like really putting in the beats of the chapters after that. Now, completely ganged up on here. Like usually I have a Fletcher who's sat there in my corner, like, don't worry, man, nobody needs to outline. We're cool. And now I'm just like, no, no, everybody here is just like an outliner. And I'm like the only like pantser around. It's yeah, that's right. You're a dang breed, Rob. Take that and you're creative. I'm a loose cannon. I don't play by your rules. <laughs> well, I'm Rob. I know that you were put in that same situation. Uh, you you planned on never die, just being a standalone, and then a bunch of us screamed for a second book. And yeah, well, I mean, with never die, there was a slight problem being that I killed everyone. Oh, <laughs> yes, Rob. <laughs> but you also have that ability to bring them back, so. The second book you decided to do is just a stand another standalone in the same world, right? Yeah, well, I mean, we've, we've never died, basically. Yeah, there was, I, I only ever intended it as a standalone, but then a bunch of people were just like, look, we want more, more of this world, more of these characters, whatever, much more. more. Uh, so my idea was just like, well, I've got a world that I've created for this. Uh, I'll just write other stories, other standalone stories that may have some of them other characters, some of the characters from this one, or may just have completely new sets of characters, and just write an entirely new standalone in the world, just using the magic system, the world, all of that lot. Um, so it's kind of like doing it easy mode. You know, you, you're not trying to follow a, an arc. You haven't got characters from book one that you really need to then move on and where they're going to go through. You just like. I've got an idea for another story. I'm going to write it and see where it goes. Um, so it, it just suits my sort of writing style down to the T, really, because obviously I'm just such a pantser. I'm just like, I, I sit down to write a story. I've got no idea where it's going. I have to admit, I haven't read it yet, but uh, I can't wait because I love the world of, of uh, Never Die. You can, you can see that I, I kind of liked it. It's true. <laughs> Dirk is holding up uh, Never Day, and on the back cover, it has a cover quote from Dirk saying, what does it say? Hold it up a bit closer. Uh, 
Hayes spins a tail like a wushu. How do you say that? Wushu master wushu. spins a kick with death, speed, grace, and bone crushing impact. Love Dirk that. Ashton, author of Eternus. Yeah. Great I thought that was quite a good quote. Good enough to go on the back, and you know, it's a Dirk Ashton quote. It'll That's do. it. Put the Mark Lawrence quote on the front. Dirk Ashton exactly. is on the back. Mark Lawrence quote on the front because, <laughs> you know, slightly bigger name than Dirk. Yeah. Just for a now, little. For now. That's gone, actually. That's no longer in the uh, the uh, the current copies of Never Die because now, instead of that, it's got the little Immortal Technique story because. Oh. A series. That's a cool little badge that you have on it. Um, no. Actually, Melinda, I would be curious. Yeah, for you, like, so Dragon Mage was written as a, as a standalone. And then, so what were some of the, obviously it was such a huge hit. Uh, what were some of the factors about like pulling that into a trilogy? And and yeah, just I guess just more generally, what's your sort of approach from taking something which is supposed to be self-contained and then you're like, oh, I've got to, I've got to do more from this. I know we've, we've talked about it a little bit already, so we can keep it brief if you want, but I would just be curious to hear a bit more about that process. Well, you know, like, like Dirk said, it, I did have some places I can go. Um, I definitely left a lot of things hanging up in the air that I could, you know, expand on. Um, you know, he's, he's in a broken world, um, a, a world that's very much in need of healing. And so I can definitely kind of go toward that. There are more bad guys out there. You know, we, we, we killed the JV team, um, but, you know, there, there, there is still a varsity team that's <laughs> <laughs> waiting to be played. So, yeah, we, we can get out that varsity team. Um, my character really went through a lot of growth, um, but he has some ways to go. You know, he, he definitely has, has some places that he can go with his character. So, yeah, I, lo- I love some, some room, to, some wiggle room. I, uh, one thing I'm curious about is just like uh, what was the sort of impetus to actually go right actually I will write a second was it the just the fact that obviously Dragon Mage sold really well or is selling still really well or was it the fact that there were you know people who were reading it saying we want more or did you always have the idea of I would like to write another um when I started writing it, I, you know, it's such a long book. It's such a huge investment that I did not want to stick like book one on there. If it flopped, I never wanted to see it again. <laughs> right. <laughs> Literally. Um, so I, I didn't know how it was going to do at all. Um, and honestly, I wasn't expecting it to do as well as it did. So when I got a bunch of like people in my like little Facebook group, they were like, yes, write book two. Yes, write book two. And I'm like looking at the sales going, okay, I can do this. I can make it work. People want it. Um, there's justification for it. Um, I'm not going to lose my money doing it. I might lose my time <laughs> usually, but you know, it would be stupid not to, honestly. I mean, it is successful. It is, you know, making money. My other series was not, um, at all. Um, so you mentioned the chaos cycle and that's the series I wrote two books for. I still have to write book three. Um, and I told my fans, I will. <laughs> I don't know when I will. I was going to just write uh, Dragon Mage and then go right back to it and finish that up. Well, they don't want that because nobody read that. They want, you know, another Dragon Mage. So that's what I'll do. There are market pressures. Yes, there are market pressures. Yes. And also to some extent, like, I, I mean, I can't talk to your experience specifically, but if there are, you know, two ideas which are probably going to give you an equal amount of enjoyment to write, but one of the ideas is, going to sell heaps more books than the other 
it's sort of a no-brainer to you know explore that one um yeah it is but honestly the chaos cycle uh, hasn't really been doing it for me um it didn't do it for anybody else and i got kind of down on it so i'm mm. like kind of happy to be out of that world <laughs> for a while i i will go back i won't go back just not yet i'll procrastinate it for a while cool. at the end of the day you don't you don't owe anybody anything you don't <clears throat> you know there's the that whole discussion of you know ah do do the authors owe their, their readers their fans anything and i'm i'm in the mindset of no like you know if george r, r. martin never finishes game of thrones uh, a song of ice and fire it's like well tough he never signed a contract saying he would well maybe he did with the yeah. <laughs> publishers but not with the readers not so with the readers yes you he owed, he me, owe you the owed me this Hayes, and you <laughs> paid up so you're a yeah. good man well i think yeah the good now, question because which... i've got another one coming soon man Spirits of Vengeance. Oh, yeah? Check it out. In the same world? More later this year. Yeah, yeah. Right. Book three, oh, Spirits of Vengeance. Here's a question um, that has to do with both marketing and sequels um, and outlining. I know we've kind of gone mm. off topic from outlining. That's but, fine. Um, <clears throat> like, Rob, did you have that Mortal Techniques idea? Uh, or you had to come up with that when you decided? Oh, what, it was like the name of the series? series. Yeah. No, I, I like honestly when I wrote Never Die, I had no intention of ever turning so it. So you into had to, a, you you came up with that to call the series that. Yeah, I mean, it, it sort of helped that in the world the magic system I called you know the the they're literally called techniques, um, right. the the sort of like the magic powers that each character uh, can use. Basically, I just call them techniques, and then yeah, it's sort of. Uh, the idea of, of death and mortality and immortality mm -hmm. are quite strong within the book and yes, the series absolutely. in general. So it just sort of seemed natural, the mortal techniques. So uh, Melinda, what are you gonna call your series now, your trilogy? You know, that was probably the hardest thing to do was come up with a series name on the fly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And well, so, so I think Riven people... World because the world is split. The what? The Split World trilogy? Oh, uh, Riven World. Riven World. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Are you going to redo uh, the interior or the covers of your book one? No, no. Um, I don't think every book that's in a series actually even says it's in a series. So I think it's fine as it is. You just need to do, you'll need to do that on, on Amazon though. You'll probably want to go back and, and, and uh, change your, uh, this book description so that there's a time. Oh, I did series. do that. Um, yeah. it, right before the book actually published, because it was up for pre-sale for like a month. And so like a day or two before the book actually went on sale, that's when I made the decision to actually branded a series. I got, I had um, JC Kong. <laughs> he was like, he, he, we were talking and he was telling me, Dude, if you're going to write a book too, you need to decide right now and have it up for pre-order the day of launch. I'm like, are you kidding? This isn't like two days. <laughs> so I have to completely turn this into a series and change it on Amazon and everything else in two days. And that's exactly what I did. So um, I actually put it up with a different series name at first, one that completely sucked because I didn't know what I was going to do. And then about six hours later, I had the Ribbon World idea. <laughs> so I changed it on Amazon. And so people were like on, um, on Reddit, um, 
hey, I thought this was a standalone. It's um, it's now saying the stupid series name. And I'm like, wow, that looks really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I need to change that. That's not gonna work. So yeah. Are you gonna are you gonna tell us what it was? I forgot, honestly. It, it was it was <laughs> no, like, you didn't forget you pushed it from your mind. Yeah, yeah. scourged from the mind. Yeah, Still worth remembering. Time. Yeah, it, well, yeah, the Sundered World was taken, but it was something it was something worse than that. I mean, I would have taken the Sundered World any day, but <laughs> it was like- I mean, you could have always gone. Movies. There's There are certain people who absolutely believe in uh, making the trilogy the name of the first book. So Dragon Mage, book one of the Dragon Mage trilogy. Well, there already is a Dragon Mage Chronicles. In fact, I'm finding out that there's like Dragon Mage everything out there. <laughs> there, are, there are some other Dragon Mage books, but you know- at one point, you just have to go. Well, like, to be honest, who cares? Because obviously, your book's you know bigger, better, and not outselling them all. Yep. Well, not not necessarily. Um, I think like about a a week before my novel went on sale, uh, another book called Dragon Mage. It's a lit RPG book went on sale, and that's been tremendously successful. So, uh, but you're also serving completely different audiences. This is true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's some crossover, but yeah. Not yeah, used. the majority of lit RPG readers tend to read lit RPG. It, uh, it's 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 a weird sort of like section of the genre where people tend to just sort of stick to it. Um, where if you look at like a lot of epic fantasy, they're willing to read uh, grimdark or urban fantasy. It's more just like we just read all sorts of fantasy. Mm. Yeah, and even epic fantasy has a wide range, you know. But there are there are people who focus almost specifically on dragon books yep. in epic fantasy, right? Or any number of other things. Mm -hmm. So we've probably got like maybe, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes or so to wrap this up. So just wondering if we could go through a couple of quick questions here, because I've got a few Patreon questions, which I'd like to get through. Um, but before that, Melinda, what does your actual sort of day-to-day -day writing routine look like if you if you have one. Um, I'm always curious to ask this because, yeah, some people have their routines that are very similar. Other people have, you know, their own totally unique routines. Um, what does your sort of day-to-day -day look like when you're working on a book? Well, I've been out of it for a while, but starting Monday, I'm going to have to get back into it because this book has got to go forward. <laughs> so when I'm writing, I try to write a chapter a day. Um, so I get up at about four in the morning and I try to get my chapter done at four in the morning um which is weird yeah it, it has to happen <laughs> See, madness <laughs> yeah melinda has a day job so yeah i have a day job i'm a teacher and my school day starts at 7 30 in the morning and by the time i get home from school i am brain fried from dealing with high school kids all day long they're wonderful people but I have to be super high energy all day. Sure. And so I'm just dead by the time I get home. So the only time I really have the energy or, you know, ability to be creative is before, before I go to work. So, yeah. yeah. God, so I feel so lazy. I don't even get up until like 8.30. <laughs> Too bad no, that, Fletcher that already like gets up at four as well. That's just because he doesn't <laughs> sleep. Uh, uh, Michael uh, Fletcher, our other host, he he usually gets up at 4 a.m. to do his writing before the day job as well. So interesting okay. parallels there. I didn't know that. That's kind of cool. So he also writes during his day job. <laughs> <laughs> he just awesome. writes all the time. He's probably writing on his anniversary dinner with his wife right now. 
<laughs> I hope that's true. <laughs> um, Linda, do you still, because I, I remember um, chatting you a while back and you said that uh, you were, you, 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 I think you'd hurt your wrist or something, you were writing with uh, uh, dictatorship. Do you, do you still do that with a dictator software or? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, yeah, I, I actually did a combination of too much writing and stupid yoga, <laughs> which is basically if you don't do yoga for like 10 years and then you jump back in <laughs> with advanced yoga, I don't recommend it. I, <laughs> I got tendonitis in my wrists all the way down. And to this day, I still have problems with it to this yeah, day. Wow. It was so bad. I could not click a mouse button. Whoa. It was bad. Oh, that's um, scary. Yeah. And it lasted a really long time. Um, I had spent about six months in braces. And then even after that, it just, it was just so bad. So I had to learn dictation. And hmm. to this day, I, I opened my mouth to start writing instead of, you know, typing. I mean, it just. So did, did you write like Dragon Mage or with sort of dictating software? 100% dictated. Yeah. Wow. I wish okay, I that's incredibly well written for, for talking about it. Because, you know, if I tried doing that, it would just be like, oh, God, this book makes no sense. It's just mindless. Yeah. That's actually a big change in my process that happened with moving to dictation. When hmm. I typed, I would agonize over every single word in a sentence. It was a laborious process. With uh, dictation, I just type and I go. And I end up with um, something written in like three hours. That's great. Wow. Or even less, sometimes two hours. Yeah, but you can, then go a I, lot, you can go a lot faster, you know. You can, but then it's this, this disgusting shambled mess. And it's like, what did I just do? <laughs> um, it's bad. Um, so I have to spend like, I think with Dragon Mage, probably a month and a half to two months just trying to edit that mess and then put it back together. I wow. still have to do that even with my typed manuscripts. <laughs> <laughs> But that's when I actually sit there and think, okay, how can I reword this sentence to make it better? You know, what is a stronger verb that can go here, you know? So how much words would you be getting down? Like you said a chapter a day and your books are usually about a hundred chapters long in like one of those chapters, how long would that normally be in terms of words and how long would that take to dictate? Um, 2,700 words is my average which to most people that's breakfast. <laughs> I know to a lot of people it's breakfast. Um, but yeah, that's basically what I have to write before breakfast. Um, so <laughs> I usually get that done between like 4.30 and 6.30 in the morning, so two hours. Cool, okay. That's really interesting. Yeah, dictation, is, awesome. I've tried it a lot. Um, I have had varying degrees of success with it. I definitely find that the hard part is cleaning it up afterwards um yeah. have you considered ever having like an editor or, or an assistant like go through and clean it up for you manually i think kevin j anderson says that that's sort of how he goes about doing it like he will have someone actually go through and format it no way um that's where my style actually gets inserted in that stage okay um if, if i had somebody else do it they may as well have written the book yeah good call fair enough I wonder if anybody uh, who who doesn't plot can use dictation software as well, because I just like obviously from from me who just goes into it not knowing what the hell's going on, you know, just sits and writes a book. Uh, I, I can't imagine doing it with sort of dictation software because I'm literally just sort of like trying to 
come up with what's going on as I'm typing it. Um, I just wonder if it's possible. That's Maybe a complete aside easier. that has no real you know, bearing on anything, but. No, it does. You I can think... definitely do that, Rob. I, I don't just sit down and just start talking. I mean, I really don't. I mean, I, maybe a couple of paragraphs here and there are just me going and going and going. But for the most of the part, I'll be like, you know, I'll say like, you know, six or seven words, take a pause, think, you know, say another couple words, take a pause, think, you know, and that, that's how it's coming together. Okay. I think the other people, like, I think maybe Andy um, Peliquin can just sit there and and just talk like he's telling a story i mean he, he could be sitting by a fire i think you know just you know with that oral kind of <laughs> and just telling a story but i can't do that i have that, that, that explains why he can produce like 600 books a year as well so you know <laughs> andy's fast exactly yeah. andy's fast yes he is but that's the difference i have to definitely think in between my sentences and in between my paragraphs i, I can't just sit there and talk and and hmm. My brain doesn't work that fast. Well, my brain doesn't work linearly. Um, I very often will be bouncing forward and back and forward and back and forward and back, to be honest, um, because halfway through, I'll go, oh, here's how I want this chapter to end. Here are the okay. good lines and the setup for this. And then I'll go do that. And then I'll go back and I'll go, wait a minute, there's something up here now I have to fix. So I'll then up, and I, I'm not talking, but by fix, meaning, where people are, you know, important stuff that's not just rewrite later or or edit clean up later. So yeah, my brain, I don't know that I could do it. I should try it just for fun. But my, my voice problem. also does not hold up very long. Um, I always had a problem with that lecturing as a professor. Uh, I would have, you, know, you can hear it already since it's later in the day also. Even though so I you, sit quiet, you've got a, a nice croak going on. Yeah, <laughs> it's getting getting pretty froggy right now. <laughs> what I think my problem with the whole here? dictating thing is just like my you guys have probably noticed this. My mouth runs faster than my brain. <laughs> Same here. Same. Yeah. Yeah, I've always <laughs> yeah. noticed that, Rob. <laughs> That's my I was thinking another thing that I do is I write all the dialogue first, then I come back in and I fill in the narrative. Interesting. Is that because dialogue is a bit easier to do when you're dictating it? I think it's just because that's how I like visualize a scene. I actually like can see like the people talking and I, so I write all that and then I make sure the dialogue kind of flows and then that, that gives me a chance to like check and see, make sure all these things are in the right order too. And then when I go back and I fill in the narrative around that, you know, th th everything's like already pretty much there, you know? Well, that's kind of neat. So you're almost working through different sort of like almost yeah you've got your outline and then you're sort of doing almost like a, a more rough version of the outline through dictating it and then you're polishing that to a first draft so really by the time that you have a first draft you've done three successive run-throughs yeah. of the entire story which will make it pretty polished and then from that point how many more drafts do you normally have before completion um, I usually just go through and polish and polish and polish I don't actually write a whole second draft or a third draft okay. or whatnot yeah. I just um, I just keep smoothing and smoothing and smoothing and going over it and over it. I don't know. But the real question is when you when you're doing sort of the dictation and you're doing the, the dialogue with it, do you use different voices for each character? <laughs> no, well, okay, kind of. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's so good. Okay. I will. <laughs> 
especially like, okay, another thing I do is sometimes I end up dictating in my car a little bit. Um, plotting while driving, you know, that that's me. Um, and what I'll do is I'll have my middle phone and I will do the, I'll be saying the whole like dictation part where like they're talking. So uh, that's when I actually do it in different voices. And I just completely acted out. And if you're sitting beside me, like in the next car, looking at me, <laughs> you're probably thinking that I'm insane. What is this woman doing? Because I get all animated too. <laughs> <laughs> you're like strangling the wheel, like a character's, yeah, attacking someone. I did that oh, for I did that for a short story actually for for Sailor's Gambit, which people can read on my website. Like, I think I dictated the first half of that mostly in my car like on the way to work every day and yeah it's yeah i think people will probably like he seems to be singing along to a song but really strangely really <laughs> angrily yeah <laughs> what program do you you use for your dictation dragon dragon cool okay yeah, yeah interesting um so yeah just a couple of quick ones before we wrap this one up uh this has been really amazing discussion um this is a Patreon question from Drew McFeedy. If you want to check out our Patreon, just go to Wizards. Drew, uh, I know Drew. Hi, Drew. Hey, there we go. Hey, Drew. <laughs> um, you got a shout out from three people on the podcast. Nice work. Um, so yeah, if you want to check out our Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Wizards Warriors Words. Uh, you can get a whole bunch of cool rewards in exchange for backing the show. Um, the link to that will be in the show notes below. Uh, and so Drew asks... What is the best piece of writing advice you've received and would want to pass on? So Melinda, what is the, what is the sort of number one piece of writing advice you've gotten over the years? God, that's a question and a half. Oh yeah. That, that could be a whole episode. It's an easy one for me. That's actually, I, I can't remember getting any advice per se that really helped me. I think that most of the things that have really helped me. I've kind of figured out on my own. I know that sounds terrible, but. Um, a self-taught genius like Da Vinci. Uh, I'm not, not a genius. Um, <laughs> if you fail enough times, eventually you'll trip over success. <laughs> <laughs> what a quote. I love that. That's a hell of a piece of advice to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think probably the thing that I has helped me the most is just realizing that it's not really the writing that makes a book successful. It's the story. So all the time I spent going to like my little writers groups and trying to be a better writer and stuff like that. Honestly, I, if I could have just learned how to do structure first, instead of learning how to write, that would have made my life so much better. <laughs> interesting so, yeah. that, so you're talking it. about the, you're talking about more the the bigger picture plot and overall character arcs are sort of more important than the minutiae of like which word should i pick in this sentence versus you know like how long should my sentences be or whatever exactly storytelling storytelling yeah you can be the best wordsmith in the world but if you don't tell a compelling story with compelling characters and give the audience you know what they're expecting then it's it's not going to be well received. I don't know. Tell that to Pat Roffus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not picking a fight with you, Pat, if you do listen. Yeah, I mean, you've both got beards, so I don't think Pat would be angry at you. He would accept 
the critique. That is amazing. Affiliated man. That really is. I like his stuff. Yeah, I yeah. like his stuff. But I actually he, think his plot's pretty good. Yeah, I think he's an amazing wordsmith, but cough needs punching in the face hard. <laughs> <laughs> hey, book three, my friend. 400,000 words of that exact same thing happening that you described. I hope so. <laughs> um, that's a really good piece of advice. Yeah, I think people can get, like I'm sort of editing something at the moment and yeah, it's very easy to get caught up in trying to make perfect sentence construction, but you should only really get to that stage once you have made sure that the overall shape of everything is how you want it to be. So that's really great. Um, awesome. Do we have uh, any last bits of things that we want to say before? Oh, Rob, up? Rob, what was the best that you ever got? Sure. I, I can't actually remember getting told advice. Okay, then what's the best that you have right now? Uh, that helps you. To be honest, the best piece of advice I've... I'm going to say it's around here somewhere. See if I can find it. He dropped his advice on the floor. Oh, right. Okay. So the best piece of advice uh, is actually my little mantra. If the whole world has gone crazy, I'll believe in myself and keep fighting. Why not? And uh, this, this is a quote from Gundam Wing, believe it or Ah. not, which is a, a mecha anime. Um, and that's not in I, the way that it's meant is not how I take it at all. For me, I just take it as it's the, you know, believe in yourself, believe in in the story that you want to write. Um, and it, you know, if if somebody does tell you, oh, that's crap, it won't sell, you know, or it's a terrible story, whatever, it doesn't matter. You believe in the story that you want to write. It's your story, so write it the way you want to. That's the base. That's mine, basically. Write the book especially for early writers, first-time writers, write the book that you want to read, that you really want to read, because writing is so hard, especially the first book, first couple books. Mm. You have to write something that you really want to read. Um, uh, Later, um, I found, and I think a lot of authors find, that you can start thinking more about market interests and and, and things like that, but only after you have a couple of books or a few books under your belt um, and get a good feel for just what it is to what it is and what it takes to write a novel. But early on, the very best advice I ever got was write the book you want to read. Good advice. Great. Um, that's interesting to say that, Dirk, because yeah, I feel like I'm at that point at the moment where I've written a lot of stuff, which is like, didn't think about the market at all, just my own interest. And now I'm sort of like, hmm what ideas out of the stories I've already written could I make, you know, a bit more marketable and everything. So yeah, that's why it's been good to have you on Melinda to talk about kind of your journey with that as well. I think I've gotten a lot of great tips from this. Um, So yeah, that's a good place to wrap this episode up. Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you, Melinda, so much for coming on. I've really enjoyed this discussion. Thanks everybody. Thank you. All right. Oh, and buy Dragon Mage if you haven't already. Get it, (laughs) get it, get it, get it. And as we end this episode, thank you to our special high-tier Patreon, Daniel Henderson. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 